This podcast is distributed for general informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. The information, opinions, and views contained herein are our own and may be subject to change at any time without prior notice. We do not have any obligation to provide revised opinions in the event of changed circumstances. All investment strategies and investments involve risk of loss. Nothing contained in this website should be construed as investment advice. Any reference to an investment's past or potential performance is not and should not be construed as a recommendation or as a guarantee of any specific outcome or profit. Let's start it. So right. if you go a year ago, let's see, let's go this way, it's easier. I'm a leak. Say you're an idiot like me that just likes to buy and hold things, and so you bought it a year ago at the exact high a year ago, let's say, or a year ago to the to the T of yeah January thirteenth. So, right. You're into it eighty seven hundred. Yeah, and you're only up two hundred seventy one percent. Right, that's that's really poor performance. You so. probably crapped your pants because you were down fifty percent, <laughs> but really, down, but I've really been, quickly back up forty percent. So, I. You know, I've I've been down more than that before in my life, and so been down more than fifty percent more, and it's all on time frame horizon on when you're needing funds. And if you're needing funds in a short term, then yeah, you'd be freaking out. But if you're looking more horizon and uh, long term, coming back to like just knowing your conviction or just what you want, then you, yeah, you're not freaking out one bit because every positive, major positive reaction has a negative reaction and every major negative reaction has a positive reaction. Now, how long do those go? It's to be determined. I mean, you look long-term, everything goes up, right? Always up. Always up. That's the Twitter. That was a Twitter thing when that's when Bitcoin was running up. It was like, always up. There's no down. Nope. Anybody that would post anything like somewhat like, hey, we might get a correction here and they'd get lambasted. It'd be like, this is only going up. We're going to 100K by the end of the month. Stonks are easy. Okay. Okay. Sure. Hey, we might still get to 100K by the end of the month. It might. I, like I said, any of these negative reactions that we're having right now, it's pretty major right now what's happening. So it can it can respond pretty positively in the short term. Yeah. I mean, we got a 20% or 30% reaction from you know the top, which was a few days ago. 27, 28% to the bottom there. But that was that little parabola. Get the little parabola break right there. Um, you know, it's, this is, it, it's a bull run parabola. So we're going to get a bunch of these as this keeps going up in my opinion, obviously, but we'll see. I mean, I'm in, I mean, these little white lines I got here, that's kind of where I was staggering my orders. So, and I just hit this one here. So we'll see. I've got some, uh, some deep ones just in case, uh, if we go down, I think I said, what was it? 23. I think I showed you. All the way down to 23. I mean, you're talking about the last time you were at 23 was just... Oh, yeah, it's right here, 23. was just two weeks ago, you know? <laughs> so it's it like... forever oh, ago. Forever ago. <laughs> it, it's basically a, a lesson in, okay, have some perspective in, in reality of things in that, um, you know, your entry points as a whole are probably pretty good in that, and then you're looking at uh, your time frame horizon. If I know for you personally, you probably don't need the actual cash money in hand or in pocket right now. So the the need to get in or out of something is not necessarily as great as what it might be, say, if you were dependent upon that that flow of income, you know? Yeah. 
Nope. Uh, and that's why I do my, my margin trades or my income trades. So hopefully I can feed my children. <laughs> Put socks on your feet type <laughs> of thing. So today, um, it's J- Jeremy Wynn and Nathan Harper here. So uh, what we're going to do, we're going to start a series that's going to be a get to know your trader, your investor, but just the regular everyday trader investor. So not your hedge fund guy, not your, uh, you know, Michael Saylor, which by the way, he didn't sell, you know, and he bought in. I mean, he's still in pretty hefty profit, but there's some, there were some big names that came in, but anyways, we just want to know, uh, it's the series of, uh, you know, what, what makes you an investor? What makes you a trader? Uh, and kind of introduce ourselves. We have had a couple podcasts where we uh, just kind of rambled on and didn't really kind of tell you who we are. So uh, I'm going to let you know that this is my very best friend, Jeremy Wynn. <laughs> I've known him for a long time. And, uh, you know, we've we've been through a lot of ups and downs together. And, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a smart fella. <laughs> and he's going to throw down a lot of knowledge on you. One of these days. One of these days, I might actually have some <laughs> knowledge. I think with time, everything kind of turns out to look okay uh, when when you're looking at, at most things. So you can make predictions about um, uh, stocks, your BTC or whatever, and and eventually they, they will come true, I feel. Um, uh, I, d- I don't think that there's any definitive time frames that you could put on something of saying, oh, by, by the end of the month, BTC is going to be at 100K. It, it could. It might not. If you were wrong uh, and it only got to 99K, uh, that that seems like the worst thing ever. Uh, But what if it goes down more? It's not that big of a deal. And so I guess kind of outlining the type of trader or person that I am, it's it's the investor. I'm I'm more time frame horizon type of person and, and trying to find decent points of entry that are based off of what I feel, uh, what my convictions are. Uh, and, and semi what the experiences are that I've had. Um, I've personally been investing in stocks and, and holding since right around 2002, 2003 timeframe. Uh, I was really watching those things right when we were in college, Nate. And, um, uh, my first kind of step or look into stocks was based around the time when we were, when I was looking to graduate from college and there were a couple, it was right after the dot com uh, boom. And so things were coming down and, and that's the time frame that I get most excited for because you see the most amount or potential for growth in that time frame uh, to get back up. And, and at that point in time, there's one stock that sticks out in my mind that, that I, that I always hold as a place keeper and, and that's Priceline. So Priceline.com dipped down in, around that time frame, and it got down to around $2 a share. And at that point in time, I thought, oh, this would be a great opportunity for anybody looking to buy. I didn't have any money. I was a poor college kid, just graduated, didn't have a job besides uh, driving a, a combine uh, during the summer, just got married, all that stuff. So there was no way that I was going to be able to um, hold, to buy any type of investments uh, for myself personally, there's no extra money. There was no money. I think I had less than a hundred bucks in my checking account at that point in time, but that driver desire to want to see what a stock was going to do started organically. It wasn't a school assignment. It wasn't something that was, uh, given to me. It was just something that I took the interest in. And so with that, I just kind of, have been watching, um, Priceline and what it's been doing. Obviously throughout the years, it's, uh, initially get, it shot they, up. Did they get bought out? 
they just uh, they've made some acquisitions along the way, and so they're okay. they're now booking okay. booking dot com. And what what was the price at? Uh, it was around two bucks. I want to say back okay. when I was looking at it, but I don't know that it shows up there as two bucks. Um, but it sticks out in my mind. I can remember looking in the actual physical paper. Uh, and it said $2 and some change. So, and you know me, I, I still like the physical paper. I don't have a physical paper anymore, but I love to look at a physical newspaper. It, there's just something that's, um, uh, rewarding in that regard to me. And I don't know what it, Jeremy's what it, a young man, yeah. uh, but he's an old man at heart. <laughs> I go to his house and I'll come over to say hi and he'll, uh, be on the porch with his robe and a coffee cup and a newspaper like an old man and slippers. And yeah. Sli- oh yeah. And slippers. Sorry. Yeah. And his dog laying next to him. That's right. Know. It's a, it's <laughs> basically I'm living the life. So, but it, it all started back then it, it, for me. And, and from there, it's just been kind of a, a continual watch and see, uh, cutting my teeth along the way on making some investments that have worked out and some that haven't worked out. And, um, so what that early time frame has taught me is that there's anytime there's a major pullback, um, or a major reaction in the market like that, it provides an opportunity for entry that, um, in the time frame horizon, you'd be looking at uh, a pretty decent growth. Uh, you could draw these correlations between anything. I mean, if you pulled up Amazon and or Apple, even going back to those early two thousands, you'd be looking at a lot of differing opportunities for entry. Now, did did we know at that point in time what Amazon or Apple or any of those companies were going to do? No, they were all just feelings that investors had of purchasing at those low points and being able to ride the wave uh, to eventuality. And that's kind of what I work in right now is that individual stocks I might not be the best at picking at, but as far as a group or a holding of stocks, uh, I do a lot better. Uh, certainly time helps with that as well. Uh, and so having a looking out for that horizon, I, I don't, I'm never going to be that person that picks, um, uh, the hundred percent a day growth stock. I, I personally do not like those, those, that type of growth in a short term time frame because it creates two differing, differing aspects. If you don't sell at the exact high point, you feel like you missed out. And then if you do sell at the exact high point, now you have a, the tax implications of that, but then what do you do with your cash? After that point in time, do I have something else that I'm ready to purchase or buy to move on to? What's the next thing that I'm looking to buy? And if I bought something, I want to be able to buy it. I believe in it. That's something that's that I have that holding in. And uh, I see one of two things. Either it's going to be held for a time frame horizon or it's going to be something that I believe in more long term uh, as far as a product that I use or a product that uh, I can see some major growth in type of thing. So, so that's when you're going to look for your investment, what do you, what do you start with? Uh, I mean, do you go out looking for something or do you, um, you know, is it something that you hear? Or how does that, how does that come to fruition for you? Well, first and foremost, you know, you touch on the ideas of you actually have to have money to invest. And so that's the step one. It, when you have money to invest, then that would start the process of me looking for something. So what now, right now, what I do is different than what I used to do. And yes, that's exactly right. I pull up Finviz and I'll pull in something, uh, if I had some money to invest that I didn't want to additionally add to my current holdings of, you know, my top five favorite holdings, um, you know, you're looking at, uh, T quiz is number one. And number two right now is, um, DPST, uh, Fangu, Soxel, Nail, and then UCL. 
So it's quite a quite a varying balance there. So all of those holdings right now are, are trading at or near all-time highs, except for Nail. Nail's got some room to run, and UCO has some room to run as well. But you look at Soxel, Soxel's running at uh, uh, all-time highs today. Yeah. Fangu, yeah. that's probably within 10% of all-time highs. Uh, DPST has some room to run in, in comparison, but it's also a rather new fund. Same with DPST looks like tremendous for growth, but... Yeah, and then you look at TQ. So if I'm if I'm not looking to reallocate or put into those funds that I'm I'm currently allocated to, then I would go on to Finviz, and I'd be starting to pull in those things that have dropped um, a significant amount during the during the last 52 weeks. So do you normally look for ETFs because all those you named off were like the leveraged ETFs? Yep, I primarily look for ETFs based on the fact that I know that my strength is not in picking individual stocks. Uh, what I believe are good stocks. It would be based off of financial uh, information. So yeah, what type of debt do they have? What type of revenue do they have? What's their profit margin? Those types of things. That doesn't necessarily translate across the board uh, to growth uh, for the companies as I would see fit. And so I find that in a holdings, uh, a group of holdings, so uh, some type of indexed, uh, leveraged index fund provides more of a safety net to provide that growth across the holdings in a two or three X fashion. Um, and so that provides the growth that I'm looking to capture and, and gain over a time frame. It's kind of a great thing you think about because you're diversifying yourself over all the different companies, you know, like DPST is the banks, right? So you get all the different banks and whatnot in that fund, but you also get the three X leverage. So you actually get the growth with it too. So in a normal stock, you would get a, a drop that comes through. Well, what is it? Is it, you know, did they have bad earnings? Is something else bad coming out? Well, that you're stuck into that one stock where this one, it kind of flows you all, it diversifies you all those others, others. But that 3X just makes it nice so you can actually get that growth as well. You also get the loss too. And, and certainly I've seen that um, in my individual holdings as well. Can I ride it down? Uh, 50, 60, 70%, 80%. I, I did uh, for 2020. And I, I, you know, foolishly looking back on it, it was something where I tried to get out. Uh, in fact, I sold out of almost everything uh, around the first part of March. So it wasn't the exact bottom of the market. As soon as I got out of the market, it ticked up a green day for a couple days. And then I was like, I, I can't be out of the markets. I have to be in. And I know over the long term that I, I just felt over the long term it was going to rebound and come back up. Um, I certainly didn't feel like it was going to be as quick of a rebound as what it was. But I was planning on, hey, I don't need this money for another two on two years. Uh, you know, so <laughs> when you got 20-year time frame horizon, when you're looking to retire, it, it does make a difference on, on your outlook of everything. Is a 20% or a 50% drop right now as hurtful uh, in the 20-year time frame? No, but it did provide... Um, additional refocusing and, and conviction on on entry points at a lower amount. So it allowed for me to DCA a little bit. I dumped some holdings that were more individual to, to get into um, more of these leveraged uh, funds at a time frame where it was extremely on sale. Uh, and, and, and I looked at everything as being an extreme sale. So I, I can't really... If I were to summarize where I'm at and what I look for, yeah, I'm primarily looking for leveraged ETFs that are at a good price. Is it a good time to buy leveraged ETFs at their all-time high? It might be, but I typically that's not my major buying time. If what's, I what do you call what do you look for in a good buy point? Like what's your what's your process there? Uh, for ETFs or anything along those lines, I'm looking for a pullback of 
20, 30, 40%. Those are, those are kind of the areas where if you, if you just touched on the all time high and it pulls back that amount without any major news that's out there, a major event of saying, Hey, um, uh, COVID, I mean, that's just at the forefront of everybody's mind. But if you, if you had that pullback, like T quiz in September. Yeah. Yeah. It was a 63% top to bottom. Now granted, you're not grabbing the bottom, but you know, if you DCA all the way down into there, you're going to get some decent entry points. And by that point in time at September, I was already fully allocated. Uh, and, and that's where it comes down to. So if I was evaluating it and I came across some, a stack of cash that I thought, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to put some more in there. Then I would be looking at that point as an entry. Uh, I had it backwards. It was almost 40%, not 60. So, yeah. And so it, Anytime you get those 30, 40% pullbacks, that's where I would look at a buying opportunity. You could see that it came back up, it came back down, it, came, it went back up. So I, uh, when I did have some funds available, I did rebuy back into uh, the T-Quiz back at the first part of November, right at the end of October, first part of November. Um, but that was just, the, I had a stack, a, a little bit of money that I was looking to allocate. And it's been one of my favorites since 2018 when I entered and it's gone up, it's split. Uh, and yeah, I rode that all the way down, but my entry point, mind you, was not at the exact top. And so when your entry point is not at the exact top of the market, you can ride these markets down a little bit and be a little bit more patient. And, um, that's, that's where I'm kind of at. I can, I could take a smaller loss because my entry point is lower. Uh, right. And so, is it fun watching it go down? No, it's it's not. But you have to basically have some patience to be able to see, okay, it's going to make some changes uh, short term. Uh, part of these adjustments are good and healthy for the market. It allows for future growth. If we have stagnation, it doesn't necessarily bode well, I don't feel, for for the holdings. So yeah. you want you want some of that volatility. You want that growth potential. And I look at all... I look at the growth potential being in, when major events happen. So when you have a major pullback, that's that's a major event that would happen. For sure. So is this mostly, I mean, you're saying to have capital in there and you're not trading, you're an investor, right? You're, I yeah. mean, longer term as an investor. So you're bringing capital outside in because you're not having capital usually inside unless you're trading your 401k and you're just getting to a certain point where you feel like something's run out of steam i'm assuming yep. i mean is that usually like just 401k money that you're putting in there or just a little bit of stuff? both i probably have a mixture right now it's probably 60 40 um okay. of what's going roth or 401k or ira or however you want to ter terminology the protected tax trading yeah. area or avenue um, but I'm not really moving much in that either because I, the entry points are, are usually pretty good or good enough to where I'm not looking to get right. out. And you even if they pull it. back, uh, in a very rapid format, I'm going to look for that growth to happen right after a pullback. Um, and so, so I, I don't necessarily find myself looking or itching to get in or out of something. If a major event happened, like what happened with the COVID, then I'd be looking at, why am I holding something? And then that comes back to the more of the fundamentals of it. Fundamentals or the philosophical side of why, why am I in something? Why do I believe in something? Do I continue to believe in something? And do I need to make trims or trades or cut completely? And I, I could certainly cut and trim within those uh, tax saving uh, accounts. 
your IRAs, your Roth IRAs, those types of things. And I, and I have recently to basically capture or be exposed to other areas that I feel like I'm not currently exposed. Um, and, and I'm trimming usually in holdings that have had a significant amount of growth, but I think are kind of the, the rocket fuel is kind of running low a little bit on it in the short near term. Yeah. Yeah. Until we get uh, some stimulus, right? Yeah. And, and even <laughs> then we, is it better to, to have the, the stimulus out there given to us, or is it better to have the idea of the stimulus out there? And so far it's been the idea, at least, you know, um, last week was all, Hey, guess what? Blue wave stimulus is coming. It's not here yet, but we got a pretty good week last week. So, and I think we we're gonna have some of these weeks where it might not be as as hot and heavy as last week, and and that's natural and normal for a healthy market. You can look across the board, and we're going to have up weeks. We're gonna have down weeks. It, the piece of the puzzles that I that I like to to do for myself that I've had to do over the years is tracking the overall successes, the overall failures. And then evaluating that internally as, are, are is this indicative of me, the trader? Is this indicative of the markets? Is this indicative of something? It's really easy to feel like a genius whenever everything's going up. But the fact of the matter is, is that I'm not a genius. It's uh, and, and I don't really feel like anybody out there is a genius in the trading world. I think people are made to look like geniuses in, in time. Uh, short-term trades or short-term calls... It's, it's very rare that you'll find somebody that made a short-term call that's able to do it consistently. I mean, the big short callers are always out there looking to uh, make the next call. And, and eventually, if you start banging the drum of, well, the next fall's going to happen, the next fall's going to happen, you're going to be right eventually. But how much along the way were you able, did you miss out on? Because yeah, when you're talking those big, big ones, right? You know, big short, it's the real estate market. You know, nobody was banging the drum too much with COVID. It kind of hit everybody by surprise. So it's like... Anybody that says they caught the exact top or the exact bottom is a liar, like, regardless. Well, and even if you caught the exact top and, and you're able to, to get out of the market, are you able to get back into the market at a decent point? And then are you disciplined enough once you get back in to ride it all the way back up again? And that's that's the other piece of the puzzle is that, okay, you called the top. That's good. Are you able to get back in and then let your cash work for you again uh, and not feel fearful of you know, where the markets are going. Right. More or less. Right. Yeah. Cause if you, if you have a bear mindset, um, and you continually think that things are going to crash, then you're, you're going to be always on the watch out and look out for that and never fully be able to capture on the growth. If it is a bull market. And likewise, if you're a full, full bull, uh, you might not capture the bear markets as they happen. I, I know for myself, I'm a bull long term. Uh, I'll, I'll probably be a forever bull for, uh, the markets uh, as a whole based off of the indexes and everything that's out there and, and the modern monetary policy of, of how we basically structure um, uh, how the government interacts in the financial systems that we have currently structured. Yeah. Is there anything out there that you've thought of that would actually make you a bear? And a bear in what sense? I, I guess At maybe long term, like you're talking, you know, because long term for me, 1920s, plus crash, like 80 plus percent lasting more than in a decade type of situation. Or, or let me put it this way then, cause you'd probably still hold, but what he's shaking his, he's shaking his head. Yes. <laughs> uh, what, find another at, entry what would have to happen for you to take your money out? Because you're like, Oh, this is just not good. Is there anything that you've even thought of? 
Uh, it would have to be it, basically that would be the worst case scenario of complete financial collapse of of the monetary system. And if that's the case, it wouldn't matter if you got out at the top or whatever, because <laughs> money's not going to be worth anything yeah. at that point in time. And so, I think the worst case scenario, what I would look at, twenties, um, thirties crash, however you want to phrase it. It's it would be such a financial state that there wouldn't be the ruins and rubble that would be left over wouldn't wouldn't have any structure or worth for me to have the actual money in hand because the inflationary processes of trying to reestablish the markets of whatever would erase whatever money the value of money at that point in time you'd be looking so at the answer a, was no no you'd never take it out I would probably never take it out <laughs> I would look at uh, readjusting holdings to fit uh, the trends of okay. where I things would go. Yeah. Uh, but as far as taking it out, unless I need the money for in my pocket walking yeah. around, there's really no need to take the money out. Um, I, I don't really, I, I tend to think that the money that you have in the accounts are, are designed to, to work for you. And, and in a large part, that's it. If it's working negatively for you, then you have to evaluate how that's working negatively for you or uh, do you need to reallocate somewhere else? Um, and, and that's where for me, at least tracking the overall, uh, daily performance. I track for myself how my holdings or the f the amount under holdings uh, changes on a daily basis, um, and then looking at it on a weekly basis, and having the evaluation or knowing initially, hey, here was my entry points, or here was where I started at, and here's where I ended, uh, or here's where I'm at currently, and and keeping a basically an eye on the scoreboard to calm the nerves in the short term for either positives or negatives. And, and like I said, I don't necessarily like to see too much positive in the short term. Uh, a major positive in the short term is seeing a, if we saw the Dow Jones jump by 15% uh, in a day, that would cause some concern for me for what's happening the next day. Yeah. Uh, if we saw a consistent 3% growth or 2% growth or 1% growth day over day over day over day, that's more sustainable, I think, to string that together for seven, eight, nine, ten days, as opposed to keeping a fifteen percent growth, ten to fifteen percent growth in a day, sustained for a two-week time frame. Yeah, just just for visuals, you could see the uh, twenty-six. It's under the yearly, so it's twenty-six years from the top to when it finally uh, breached the top again, and an eighty-nine percent decline. So that'd be a long time. That would be if we're sitting currently at the top of the market, right? At the top. But you also, you don't, I mean, with your feel with the modern monetary policy, it's a tongue twister for me, uh, is, and it kind of showed with COVID, I kind of agree with you, is that it's, it's not going to happen like that again. Like they're just going to, they're going to pump the money into it. They're going to do some sort of bailout here. They're going to, they're going to fix things. They're going to manipulate it to make sure that it doesn't do that. It, we may get a big dip. We might get a 30 or 40. I think that's like the next. I, I think what we saw it, with the COVID is as big as they want to let it potentially go. Yeah. And it, if you can look at the blip at the top of the screen, that's that's all it was. It, I mean, it wicked down and then we ended at all time highs for the end of the year. And remember that started in March. So the turnaround was incredible. And this is on the Dow. I mean, it's even more ridiculous when you look at the DAC. It's like, it, it's just amazing. So, hey, and. I personally follow the NASDAQ uh, based off the fact that over what, since the last 18 years, it's outperformed any of the other major indices. Um, 
I want to say it's last 18 years, but it could be, I could be incorrect on that statement, but it's somewhere close to the last 20 years. It's been unbelievable. The, the amount of consistent, um, outperformance versus the other indices that are out there. Um, and so that's why I, I probably personally invest a little bit or have more faith in, um, some of those leveraged, uh, index funds that, that are out there. I, I believe in TQQ more than I do UPRO or UDAL based off of that overall mapping of, uh, the DAC versus, uh, the S and P or, or and that's the, the equivalent Jones. for the SP, the triplicates, right? Yeah. So UDAL would be the triplicate for, uh, the Dow Jones and then UPRO would be S and P uh, triplicate. Yeah. So this is a, uh, the T-Quiz and S and P and the, and the QQQ. Mm-hmm. NASDAQ and so you can see the trend since basically 2002 has been you know beat it but if you look at the difference now obviously you want to be in this in the uptrend so you wanted to be in all the tech stocks after that point in time because they got hit so hard so yeah and then you look at going further forward um as we as I look at and evaluate our overall economy and how we're moving uh even post-covid or uh, just the general trend that we were going towards is that tech is the more or less the future of everything that we are going to be doing. Um, I don't know. It, it's why some of my holdings right now are more balanced holdings to provide exposure to other areas beyond, say, tech. Right. Uh, right. It provides um, some stability or some yeah, diversification. Banks, you got oil. I've got banks. I got oil. I've yeah. got some other artificial intelligence stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But it, for the most part. I, I used to be really, really tech heavy, and now I'm just really heavy in, in <laughs> tech. And so, you know, it's adjusting back the overall holdings. Yeah. Instead of being 90%, maybe being 65% heavy tech. Yeah. No, it's... Yeah. So yeah. that's that's just kind of the mindset that I've had over my evaluation of my holdings. And being realistic with myself is that I, I know for a fact I'm not going to... If somebody's looking for my own personal advice on differing differing topics on what to hold or what to buy or anything along those lines. I usually always err on the side of some type of indexed holding. Um, and, and then from there, it's just a dependence upon what is their risk tolerance. If it's somebody like me that can sit there and, and watch the numbers go down and enjoy watching the numbers go up as well and not, and be indifferent more or less to, the ebbs and flows of what the markets are going to do, then, then yeah, I would tell them to maybe look at a leveraged fund, uh, as an option. But if they can't handle that, then I would look at them getting into, uh, you know, some of your more index funds that are managed by your vanguards, your VGTs or your VOOs or any of those funds that are going to provide for you a decent return, uh, a very, very strong return, uh, with low fees that are associated with it. But don't, you don't have to actively manage because the man, the fund managers are, are doing that active management for you more or less. And, and when right. I say active, it's not like they're making big moves on a consistent basis, but they're making enough moves to know, Hey, what's of value, what's of not value and what's going to provide the most value for this overall holding because right. they need to. And now you're, you're just not going to get the growth. You're not going to get the growth. Well, I mean, VGT has certainly had growth over the last few years. I think this last year it had 40% growth. And the year before that, it was something like 49% growth. And yeah, but what was T- TQQQ last uh, year? It was a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it just depends on who you are. It's that risk tolerance. I yeah. mean, if somebody can't handle seeing a 50% drop or a 60% drop in their overall paper holdings. Right. Do you worry about the fees in those at all? Uh, the 1% fees for TQQ or any of those other leveraged ones? No, uh, because what they're providing on the other end, you know, a 3X on the overall holdings right. provide, more than covers that type of stuff. And it, 
And certainly if somebody were smart and I'm not, uh, they would be able to make these trades and trade the, the future holdings and the, and be able to get that leveraged amount. But I, I am not that smart and I, I'm not claiming to be that smart. I'm not that good as far as being able to balance and hold a, a group of holdings that would be able to return the similar amount of what these individual funds have provided for me. Um, and, uh, looking long-term, is it going to pan out? It, it might, it might not. And, and that's with everything. Stocks could go up or down. It just depends on, on what the overall horizon is. Yeah. So what do you feel like for, for you? Because, uh, you've done a pretty good job of interviewing me, but for you, you look at something completely different than, than me. And so this is where it's kind of like the yin and the yang. We are the yin and the yang. Uh, and so, you know, in my basis of things, I've justified for myself what I look for and what I do. Um, and, and for, for me, I have those, I have those justifications based off of my overall experience with the markets and what I, what I feel I'm comfortable with. And, and so, um, I can handle the risk of having it come back and lose on paper 50, 60%. Uh, but that's something that I know that you have a different, differing view on. Yes and no. Uh, I'm an ever changing beast, uh, as you know. So my, my Twitter handle, other handles that I use is forged in crypto. And there's a reason for that. I mean, I've invested for ever since, I mean, 401k wise, whatever that was. And it, you know, I just set it and forget it. It is what it is. Um, we, there was a point in time where, uh, we were both looking at the 401k and realized we had 1% for the year. I think you had 1%. I think I had minus half a percent. 2015. And I was like, and we, it was a good year. It was. And I was like, what, what's going on here? This doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, we called a financial advisor and there's a bunch of, uh, blah, 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 this and that. Yep. Just hold through it. You'll be just fine. And I'm like, it's just, things didn't click. That was the point in time where I was like, okay. There's got to be a better way. And we started researching different firms. We went to Merrill Lynch. You know, they started talking about 200 moving average, yeah, 50 moving average, and yeah. like the different things. And then it was like, uh, it's like, okay, well, that, that, that peaked our interest and that kind of stuff. And so it, I didn't do much with it from there um, for, you know, trading or investing or anything like that. Uh, you you did. You, you took your stuff out and you ended up starting to kind of allocate yourself. You took a much more aggressive approach. I, I listened and was like, okay. But all the while, what happened down the road was in 2017, I bought my first Bitcoin. And this was, uh, I didn't make a big purchase. And this was in the summer before, if anybody's listening that knows, before they split to BCH and BTC and that whole deal. So, and then it went on a nice little run. Well, I was a genius, obviously, because I can't remember how much I made percent wise, but I made a lot in a short time frame. So I bought more in 2018 black tar heroin and once you go up you got to keep on going <laughs> and i bought a lot more i was like oh this is just too easy you just buy it and it goes up and it didn't and so at that point i started to look at uh more in depth uh i started following people on twitter and then uh it, you just started seeing traders on there and so I got, I got into the trading aspect of it and i went deep um i mean yes for, you did <laughs> For a couple of years, it was that's all I did was I took classes, I watched videos, I studied, I literally was just immersed in it forever, and it was crypto based, like all crypto, like to understand the different scenarios and the psychologies and that kind of stuff. And 
it was it it just grasped me like it just took a hold of me and i i loved it so but with that i mean through every year since then uh in the trading side i've changed with it like you know i'm 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 constantly flowing with what's going on and i and i want to be that way i don't want to be steadfast in a way for myself because i don't do that normally i want to make sure that i'm looking at what i can do to uh better myself or in this this case better my holdings and you know so i'm always trying to learn new things and i'm always trying to just pick it different information and so currently i am uh i guess you would call me a long-term holder of certain things hmm. and a short-term holder of others but i have a philosophy behind it so my long term is, uh, it's, it's what it is. I consider it over a year, which to some people are like, okay, you're, you're ridiculous. <laughs> but my long term is over a year and I have to have some conviction in whatever that is that I feel like this is going to last for a year. It, it might not happen. But most of my stuff that is in there, it is at that point in time. And whenever I get into it, that's my goal. And then from there, my short terms... Uh, and so in a bull market, let me back up a little bit. So in a bull market, my theory is to, I want to have as much of my cash allocated as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as in when you get those dips, I don't want to be sitting where I'm at now uh, or sitting where we're at now and be like, Oh, I have, I have to buy. I have to buy. I have to buy. Does it happen sometimes? Yes. Uh, but my overall goal obviously is to get in as, as low as I can and as much percentage as I can. And then use what my different exchanges for both the traditional markets and the crypto markets and margin allow me to then use my short-term trades. Short-term trades is where I shine. Long-term is my, I don't, I, I put predictions out there and they're ridiculous. Like my prediction for BTC is like 300K for this year. So that's, don't take that. 500K. Don't get crazy. Don't get crazy. Don't get crazy. But 300K. Uh, is it like in that? Could from, it? It could. Uh, that's just, it. Could, but uh, it sure. could not. If it followed the same bull run as last time, I don't know. Anyways, that's getting beyond the point. So my my long terms have always just been a little funky in hitting targets. So I have to change my philosophy into the flow of it. If, of and that's come with a lot of the trading and using the trends, the trend trading itself, and backing out on the time frames. In the beginning, I'd be like, oh, get down under the one hour, the 30 minute, the 15 minute, you know, to make a trade that I'm thinking is going to be for the next, you know, six months. Oh, wait, it doesn't. So I had to open up, you know, expand my time frame and get back into those like we're looking at here, you know, on the, the QQQ spy is on a monthly. And so I have to do the same thing when I'm looking for my long term trades. I'm looking at weeklies or monthlies on, you know. Bitcoin or, you know, Apple or whatever, whatever I feel um, has the fundamentals for me to get into and believe that it's going to go up long term. But also the trend itself is showing that it is in that long term bull trend. So in this case, like with uh, if you look at Bitcoin, so this I had a, f a friend of mine who gave me a call. And uh, this was, well. It was exactly in September or October because uh, yeah, it was just after the, the big event happened in October for us. Yes. And uh, he gives me a call and I, was, I pulled into Sportsman's Warehouse and he's like, hey, um, you know, I'm looking to, 
you know, finally get into Bitcoin. And I'm like, oh, it's funny. Like today was the day that's like my, I was already in because I, I was watching it back here and this was, I, I bought into Bitcoin here, but I, I still monitored it and, you know, other people talk to me about it. Like, when do I feel for a long-term hold? You know, and this is one of the indicators, the, the Ichimoku cloud, you know, it shows it once it turns green here, but what it's doing is all your prices above, you know, certain aspects, the cloud, the, the, the baseline, the conversion line, and it's telling you that this is the time. So at that point, it's like, okay, now's the time to buy the dips on the daily or the four hour in that time frame to then hold it long term. So that's, that's the theory I have now. And I can get those on all levels. I can look at it with whatever it is. And then I'll hold that long term and then look at my trades for short term. So like right now in Bitcoin, I'm, I'm in a long, but um, I have different buy points, you know, looking that we we're in the last bull run, we had, you know, nine 30% plus drops, right? So I have, you know, I, I look at FIB levels and, different liquidity zones and I put some buy orders leveling down through here and you know we're sitting at this point right now um of 33.24 so I'm actually probably just in profit or just right at break even uh with my uh first couple buys and this one down here so my goal with that is uh is to obviously trade it in a short term and when I say short term there it could be it could be in an hour time frame, depending on like over the weekend, I had a couple trades that were, you know, four, five hours long mm-hmm. uh, and they worked out well, or it could be a couple months long, but they're going to be under a year. And on those, you're, you're setting these points prior to uh, entry or after entry, you set them and then you don't have to watch it anymore type of thing. So, I mean, I'm always watching it. Let's yeah. Be, well, I mean, everybody's, real. whenever that markets are active, <laughs> BTC is just 24 so. seven. Yeah. So I don't sleep. Yeah. No, I, so ultimately what I'm looking for is, and I saw this on the way up as we were going through each time that we would kind of to a, come to a top here, uh, I would close out some point in time where things would kind of start to die down. And so uh, when it came up in here, I probably closed in this area around here. Um, I don't know exactly. I could pull it up, but, and then I, I would, I would pull my fib levels or I would usually have them already up and I would just adjust them to wherever this kind of local top was. And then I would put some buy orders in uh, down below. And then, you know, if it like this one was an easy one, it just kept going up. So, you know, I kind of would, you know, get out, buy back in uh, in this scenario. I think I, I got out in this area and then I didn't get any buys. And so I waited for another signal for me and I ended up getting in uh, right, I think, in this candle here. And it went up. Uh, I, I sold short. I sold right around the 34 range because that was one of my big marks. Uh, so it missed out on the, the extra little bit here, got in some more. It's just a, it's just a flow with the market. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm watching volume. I'm watching, um, just the sentiment. It's different too. Like I can't do this when I'm looking at, like, if you told me to trade Apple the same way, you can't, I can't because I don't, I mean, your ultimate kryptonite is if I'd said, hey, uh, trade uh, a leveraged uh, index fund because it, it's so difficult to trade a leveraged index fund above this because you're going 3x on whatever the markets are doing, which is hard to get like a 15 or 10% because you could see that in a second. I think what it is, and this is going to sound you know, hokey, is more of I have the feel of mm-hmm. where things are at. I have the sentiment of it because I'm watching it. I follow a lot of, um, you know, 
people that are on different social media platforms. I'm reading the news about it. And I do that with the regular markets too, but not as in depth as I am with Bitcoin uh, or cryptocurrency in general. So there's, there's a feel to it too. Like this whole ride up, I wasn't afraid of any like, oh, we're going to go back down to 2K. We're going to go back down to 6K knowing that, oh, once we broke, once we broke 20K, once we broke the all time high, I was like, this is free run. Like, well, this is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a moneymaker. And it was. So now um, we can see we've got a much bigger, much bigger correction that's in play. Um, but a larger runway, too, for it to fall back on and still be and still stay oh. in the game. Oh, there's it, you're talking it. I mean, we were talking about this before we came on. And I think a little bit once we did come on was that, OK, it crossed 20K, which was like oh, all new all time highs. Yeah. Yeah. How, how long ago was that, that it crossed that? Uh, a month ago. Less than a month ago. You're looking at the charts there as far as what, like the 17th, the 15th of so December? The actual all-time high. Let me pull it up so the actual day, because I can't, I, I'm not sure I posted it somewhere, because it was a neat day. So. 19.6. So. Where'd it go? I lost it. All right here. So your actual day, your actual day when it crossed the first time was... On November thirtieth. Oh, okay. And then drop back down, and then December when it actually ripped through and went through it was December sixteenth, and that was when it started the next little run. And from there, it went up a hundred percent from that point in time. Yeah, I, I, and that's you know less the, than a month away. That was less than a month. So yeah, it was a big run, and it's a big. You got to expect some bigger corrections. And thirty percent, to be honest, is not that mm -hmm. big of a correction, but we got a lot of institutions, man. Like. These They're ready to are, buy. These guys are ready and willing to. And deep know. pockets too. There's a lot of cash sitting on the sidelines right now too. Well, they always. There's a lot of people that go by the adage of they don't want to be first, but they want to be a close second. So, right now, this dip that's coming through, this is the close second. For, it's providing that guys. opportunity. I, what was a part of what triggered this ultimate uh, dip right now? Somebody sold 180. Bitcoin or something like that. I, I don't know. You read somewhere. I, I'm not <laughs> nearly as plugged in as you are, but it's like 180 Bitcoin and it causes for a dip like this. It's like these institutions would are just no. ready to buy up millions and millions of these things if they can. And uh, you read that, but that's not what's happening. I mean, that's not what's happening. And they're going to tell you, oh, you know, I mean, was it two, 2018 was the all China fight. It was always China. China's banning crypto. China's banning crypto. Well, they were in a, we're in a bear market. There was people that were predicting that from the get go, and they just have to they have to find a news feed to fit the narrative. Now, there's times where you get like an exchange hack, and you'll get a quick uh, rip down, and then those usually get bought right back up. Um, these are corrections. These are something that's just market sentiment that's going to come through, and you're going to have. In a healthy market. Yeah, right? you have to have these. Like if it just kept on going like this, you would hear the cries more and more for. The bubble is going to burst uh, sooner rather than later. If you don't have these corrections or if you don't have these movements like what we're having right now across the board, you're going to hear the bubble burst chatter Always. much more. Oh, yeah. It's hard to say the bubble burst when it's still sitting at $33,000. <laughs> yeah, 33 that if you said that back in when July even. If I if you would you would be looking like a, a weirdo if back in July if you were touting the you'd be looking like somebody that said at the start of 2021 that Bitcoin is going to go up to 300,000. If you would have said back in July it's going to go up to 40,000. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's oh, a yeah. similar type of movement that it can have. Uh, 
are you necessarily wrong? Are you, you could be proven right. It's just a matter of the time. What, what is time going to hold for you? Yeah. Well, nobody actually knows. But getting back to your deal, as far as the overall how you trade and how you look at things, it's your your mindset has changed over the last, I what year two years or it's constantly changing in the overall picture of things. You want to make sure that you're allocated a certain way. Do you have in your mind certain benchmarks that you're looking for? As far as I want to be eighty percent this and twenty percent this, or I want to have exposure in this and I want to delimit my exposure in this because you know back in. Uh, in private conversations that we've had uh, back in November, as recently as November, you're like, I, I feel like I'm over allocated in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And you can feel that way whenever you're like, gosh, I, I, I'm confident that it's going to go up, but I just know that I might be over allocated in that. And then if you continue with the over allocation or your feelings of over allocation, and then you're proven right with right. it running up to, yeah. you know, 30 or 40K, you get rewarded in the short term. But in the long term, has your view changed in the overall allocation of keeping track of your, uh, you know, your overall percentage. Cause as it goes up, let's say if you went from 50% allocation back in November and then it goes on this nice run, well now your overall amount under management has then increased from 50% up to, you know, 70, 80% without, and, I, and these are theoretical oh, yeah. numbers. Yeah. I don't know exact numbers, but it, you know, it changes based off the overall amount under management. And so now your allocation gets that much heavier. And so when you go to Look at that. Is that something that you are continually evaluating? Because uh, that's something that I've had to do personally over this last year is look at where my allocations are of going from really tech heavy to just tech heavy and then finding other balancing uh, allocations that provide the growth potential, but just more um, diversity. Yeah. Uh, I'm always changing. But um, with that is uh, I am still heavy Bitcoin. And uh, my my process that I want to look at more is to have when I have conviction in something mm-hmm. there's a reason for it because I'm, I'm putting the time in to look at it I'm, lo- I'm putting the effort into whether I'm charting fundamentals all the above when I'm entering something new uh, or whether I'm in it now uh, is when I have that conviction I want to be heavy in it and because I trade I use stop losses and I use other things and my goal is to have small losses and big gains. So I want to be heavy in things that are, uh, again, like I have conviction, like with Bitcoin itself and it came in strong in that time frame with the institutions buying. Once you started seeing a lot of these big companies coming out that were buying, I mean, that's, I started, I started to allocate, you know, heavier into the, just bit in my cryptocurrency, just to Bitcoin. You know, I was trading some altcoins here and there and that stuff, but I, I pushed it into a lot into Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I think I'm 78 or 80% Bitcoin. Um, and then Ethereum, it was number two, and then a bunch of other little altcoins that are in there. Yeah. Because my conviction was that Bitcoin is going to be the one, you know, in that portfolio itself. Uh, and it, it came to be true because Bitcoin outran all of them once it broke all-time highs, and that was kind of the theory. And I still think it's going to kind of go that way. Alts are going to have their days. Um, and they, I don't know if they're going to have the alt season that they did before. I, some will, but the overall way that the alt season, if you remember last time, every time we came into the office and it, it we'd was, open it up and be like, Oh, this coin's up 200%. Oh, this here's oh, a thousand percent. Here's oh, the look, 800%. There's in a, a whole, day. you'd look at like coin market cap and there'd be like the whole page would be like hundred, 200% increases. And you're yeah. just like, what is going on? 
So for me, I, one, I want to be fluid, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to be fluid in how I'm investing and where I'm putting my money and, and watching the markets and being up to date to it. I'm not going to just set it and forget it. That's the thing that I did in the past. I'm not going to do that anymore. So, but with that, I can, I can have my entries. So I have, th- I have three things I always do, right? Before mm-hmm. I get into something, and yep. you know what it is, is I'm going to have an entry point and an exit point, right? And there's two exit points. There's a stop loss if it goes too low or I have my take profit point, right? Mm-hmm. That's a short-term trade. In the long term, it's similar. Right now, you know, my, my take profit's pretty dang high. I'm looking for six figures before I start taking profit on my spot. So, but... Is there a point then that you would yes. look at? You have, like, say it dipped down to 15... I, say it dropped 50% from where it was at. Is that I am liquidating all BTC 50% and, from 40K? Yeah. No. Uh, but I'm just saying like, there's, there's always those marks on here, uh, based off of either fib levels or some type of tr- line here that you have, uh, whether it be red or, or yellow or white, now nah, whites are your entries, but, uh, just depending on where we got up to and then where is a decent point for, for exit, because you know, your entry point on all of your current holdings that are either that are both in a, a hard wallet or then that you play around with on, uh, your exchange, let's just say it's cracking. I think it's cracking, but I don't know for certain. And, and is there a set exit point that you have for those that are, that's on autopilot right now, or is it just adjusting as the days go on for, uh, market fluctuations in BTC right now? Well, right now I'm looking at the fact that it's, if it went down to 20 K, you know, that's for me, that's your higher support. Uh, That's the all time high. So, yeah. In in the way I trade, it would be a retest of that break of that all time high. I come down and retest, and this is actually I don't. You know, they're just fun to do as you you take this diff, different patterns that came through. This was from 2019 high, uh, and then the the breakdown from there. And this was and I took it all the way until the whole COVID situation happened. So because that was kind of an anomaly, mm-hmm. but I took that through. And then just adding another pattern, I would go through. I could see something like that if this was a longer term consolidation um, between now and September. And I, I wouldn't get out of spot. Once I see 20K break and, you know, go through and not get retested, I, I would probably start selling some spot. So when you say spot, that means the stuff that you have that you're actively trading or using no, as sp- collateral on Kraken or... Uh, yeah, I have some on collateral. I have some in my hard wallet. Like that stuff, I'm not, I, it's there. I'm not trading. That's my long-term. Mm-hmm. So my long-term stuff is what I'm going to hold until then uh, at that point in time. Unless something major comes out. So again, I'm fluid. So say somehow the government comes out and says, well, you can't buy Bitcoin. It's illegal. All you companies that bought it have to you know, liquidate it this kind of stuff, I'll probably get out because you're going to see at least a huge dip and then I'll watch it again and maybe get back in depending on what goes on unless I'm going to go to jail for it. So, but I mean, there's no hard line in the sand currently for based off of the current numbers that you've seen over dumping your existing holdings, the existing holdings you're going to be holding indefinitely until something major happens. I have good entry points right now. So 20 K I would still be in some pretty damn good profit. So that's what I mean for me. Like I I look at my holdings, I've got great entry points or I feel like are great entry points, but great entry points for me can always adjust based off of, well, what's the market going to do? Are we going to see another 40% drop? We might. uh, But what did we go up to, to see that 40% drop? 
And similarly, I would expect that when you're evaluating your BTC numbers that you're watching the numbers go up and up and up and up and up. But then if you see a 40% dip and the overall sentiment changing in that regard, the number changes. Yes. The exit point changes. 100%. And so if we're seeing that we string together, you know, something similar to the end of, what, what is that, 2018, uh, right before 2019, where you have a couple of those wicks. Uh, this year? No, the, the down, the, yeah, the, that. Oh, there. in here. Yeah. Gotcha. But obviously you had some of that phase where it was trading sideways for a bit. Um, and then all of a sudden it just dumped uh, towards the end. And is that something that, you would then be looking at the overall market trends and and you'd be sounding or ringing the bell or the alarm of, hey, I am dumping my personal stuff uh, to the to letting that be known to across the world. Or is that something that you're just like, you know what, I'm going to trim or is that something that's more, you know, I'm just going to stay the course? Well, I'll let certain, I mean, I'll probably post it on Twitter, but I'll, you know, in our Discord channel, I'm not going to go, you know, banging a drum down downtown, you know, in our downtown area. I'm just mm-hmm. going to be like, hey. Twitter, Discord, and just letting, you know, I post my charts and what I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, I, the sentiment changes, I change. You know, it's the same thing with any any situation that goes on. I I don't want to be dogmatic um, because I don't know everything. I'm, I'm dumber in a box of hair. So I got to be able to move and change and adjust so I can, uh, you know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. <laughs> Well, I think what what we look at here is that the, those people that are on the Discord, it, when they see that you're making moves short and long, or when I see that you're making moves short and long, the distinguishing factor is is that the underlying holdings don't necessarily change when you're making those moves shorts and longs. And so um, at that point where you make a move on the underlying holdings or the thing that you're using for the leverage or the trading or the margin or whatever, whenever you make that conversion from BTC to cash, that's when the real... Right. Uh, the real alarm bell should start dinging for for everybody that's that's kind of listening or watching or or looking at on Discord or Twitter or whatever. Is that when once you make those that decision to move the the underlying holdings, that's that's kind of the, yeah. the bellwether. Yeah, and I and I posted in the Discord a big long diatribe of you know making sure trying to get people to understand that that's what I'm doing. I'm not selling my spot. This is, you know, and when I do, I'll post it. I'll let everybody know. But this is just my margin trades. Ultimately, with the bigger changes that we've had in the last year, this is my income. So trading for me is my income, and that's what the margin trades are. So is, in in quotations, is my income. And that's why I'm fine with it being short-term because I don't have another job. That is my job. So, um, And it's a 24-7 job now. I mean, more or less. I don't. Hey. I mean, it's it's. It, I could if I wanted to, but yeah. I don't do that. I mean, you see, I mean, you see when I post, you know, some stuff in the evening times and you know during trading days and sometimes the market though dictates when you're going to be active based off of certain moves. Uh, and if if I were looking at the markets overall, if if I played more in the crypto world, if I had um, uh, more knowledge base, I guess, uh, or confidence personally. Uh, I would allocate more into the BTC world. Right now, I'm I'm in that five to ten percent range of allocation. It just depends on. I haven't looked exactly today to see exactly what that breakdown is. Uh, but for me personally, having some allocation towards the crypto world in that of my overall holdings in that five to ten percent range is kind of where I feel comfortable based off of my limited knowledge. And I think there's going to be a lot of other 
uh, dummy investors like me that are out there that don't necessarily know enough uh, about this that have that will have or want to have or are looking to have that five to ten percent overall allocation and, and the amount of under management that they have in or exposure to the crypto world. And uh, you personally feel more comfortable with the more allocation of your amount under holdings into the crypto world than you do in the in the traditional markets. Forged in crypto. <laughs> I mean, that's what got me here. I mean, I, I love the the traditional markets too. Sad part is, is my traditional market portfolio is probably. 30% crypto oriented. <laughs> so even when you try to get out of the crypto world, you're, you're, you're basically sucked right back into what Actually, you know. I can't say that it's probably closer to 40 because, uh, my riot call is, is delicious. And that, and that's consistently performed well for you are, uh, some of your option calls, but then it, additionally, just looking at making those plays in the crypto world as it pertains to the trad markets and, yeah. and, and looking at that because it's something that you know, and that you're comfortable with. Uh, and, and it would be similar to, um, you know, an individual that has such a, uh, a knowledge base in, in a certain subject or a certain area and being able to make the calls on these individual companies. I'm not that intelligent to be able to know the inner workings of a tech company. I just know that tech as a whole and having exposure to tech as a whole is generally a positive thing. And especially the, the mega large cap holdings out there, uh, they typically perform fairly well financially and, and they have a good base and, and backing and, and they will continue to do that. And you could draw the parallel, I think, at least in my mind, I could draw the parallel to, hey, you're looking at large tech as being, or uh, BTC as being the large tech of, of the crypto world. Uh, you you yeah. got BTC more or less, if, if you were to look at it, being the kind of that, that guide of... Uh, of the crypto world, similar to what large tech is going to be for the investment world over the last few years. No, that's definitely, I mean, that's what I know. So it's kind of where I lean to when I'm investing and, uh, and it'll pay off too. It's paid off for you. I, I think overall, what you look at is that, uh, for those that, that may have entered a little bit later into the game of things, as opposed to you, that's been forged in crypto over the last three years, over three years, uh, three and a half years, and really cutting their teeth and learning what the in, ins and outs of the um, of what these charts do, what the volume is, how it, it how it pertains to the fib levels, how it how you can incorporate the EG clouds and and all these things that I don't know, but I hear you talk about. I just know the terminology and phrase. It's stuff that that you've crafted and learned over that time frame. That uh, for people like me, I I don't. I didn't take that. And part of that was I, I didn't necessarily take that upon myself to know that, but you did, you took that upon yourself to know what the terminology is, know what, a, know what, know what, uh, what indicators to look for in both the short term for primarily the short term, I would oh, say. Yeah. Oh, like I said, I use it long term too, but it's more of like a, uh, there's different ways to use it. I mean, I use them for the longer term outlook, but I'm definitely a short term trader. I'm not a day trader. I don't make, you know, 30 trades in a day. Like I'm not on the 15 minute time frame, but, uh, you know, I will make 10, 10 trades a week, something like that. Usually, you know, but those are, those are in my eyes, a, you know, higher probability of going to make me some money in that short term. And when you do make those trades or when you are looking to make those trades at the point of entry, uh, circling back, you, you typically have your points of exit predetermined 
And on the completion of the purchase of the whatever it is, let's say it's an option or a call or a put or whatever it is that you're gonna gonna do, you're you're primarily setting that exit point prior or upon the close of it. Is it at that moment or is it you wait? You so know? in my margin trades, I'm going to I'm gonna like right now currently I'm in trades and mm -hmm. I have stop losses set for those trades. So I do not have a take profit for those trades right now. So, I see. But I know where my mindset would be for a take profit. So I want to know when I'm getting into a trade. I want to know where it is, when I want to get out. So. And currently you're just trying to protect on the, you're trying to minimize the losses on the short term time frame, which is why you set your stop losses uh, at the entry of your existing trades. Right. If you were looking for a long, would you be setting the stop loss at the completion of the purchase? Are you if you say I'm going to go in this long, are you still setting a stop loss on that, or is oh, yeah. everything gets a stop loss upon purchase? So my spot, I don't have. St I took stop losses off my spot. Yeah, so. uh, your but, underlying holdings of yeah. what you have in BTC yeah. or whatever. Because what I don't want, because what does happen is you get flash crashes. So whatever yeah. I did have on there, if they just had some like random wick that went down to one dollar yeah and liquidated me i'll be like oh that would suck so i don't want and then you know jump back up to 30k it, it's not i mean that's not gonna happen i don't <laughs> but i mean it, those you get those random ones every once in a while so uh my spot i don't but my leveraged ones i do like I'll, as soon as i get it in there i want to set my stop loss because i want to walk away i'm not gonna i don't want to be staring at the screen and being like oh yeah i want to get out will i check it throughout the time frame yeah yeah i'll look and see where it's at and kind of know just because I've looked at the charts a ton to see where, where it's heading, where it's going. And if it starts to move in a direction that I don't see what I like, uh, and this is both burned me and made me money is I'll sometimes cut it short, mm -hmm. uh, either with a, even a smaller loss or with just a smaller gain than what I thought I was going to get. And it's done two things. Like, uh, I've really tried to stick to my guns as much as I can to make sure I stick to those stop losses because I did it for a reason. More times than I than not, I have cut it short or whatnot, and then all of a sudden it'll it'll jump. Yeah, it'll jump and hit my take profit, or I'll cut it and or I, I won't. Uh, a lot of times this has happened too, where it, I'll have that actual bid in, and it gets short of that bid. It actually happened today. Um, you can look on the four hour chart here. It came just just short of my bid. I actually front run the fifty here. I think it was at thirty eight something. It, it missed it by like sixteen dollars, even though I front ran it, you know, a little bit, and it missed it. And sometimes, if that's the only bid that I have out there that I'm playing on that deal, I'll, you know, I'll take away my order that's on the books, and I'll walk away, and then I'll come back later, and I'll see this candle. Oh, my order would have been filled and then I would have been in profit and I'm sitting in a point in time. And so for me, I think those are the things that I'm always trying to do is stick, stick to my guns and stick to what I know and why I'm getting in and why I'm getting out. Um, it's the psychology of the game, man. Like it's all, it's, it's complete psychology and it's, it's amazing how it just runs in all the markets and you can see it. So, yeah, definitely. And is it, to get to the, the, is there a hard dollar or percent amount that you are looking to exit with your stop losses? If you are entering into a short term trade, are you setting it at, Hey, if it dips below 10% or 11% or 12, is there a number that's there? Uh, it's all dependent. I mean, it depends on the allocation, how much I have allocated to it, what the current trend is. Um, 
like I have a pretty wide stop loss right now because I have another bid down lower. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't want to get liquidated or not liquidated. I wouldn't want to get stopped out and then hit that buy down below and still not have my, my stuff in. So I, so it, it's dependent, um, on each trade really. So I don't have a certain number that's there. It's just it you, nobody ever likes to feel like they lose money. And at, at certain points, I guess for the reason why I ask is cause, uh, for me, it's, it's a little bit different. I don't feel like I ever lose money until I make a sale. And, uh, but then again, you also don't ever make a money make money until you make a sale. It's a it's a two way deal. So in the process of things, it's just the amount of money under management changes over time. Uh, yeah. And so on a on a growth day for me, it's uh, it's a growth day. I'm not actually pocketing any of that money. It's all paper wealth or it's paper growth. Yeah. And to some degree, that's that's happening with what you're doing in the BTC world. But in addition to that, you're also trying to supplement with um, you know, your margins or your options or your, your shorts and longs that, that allow for you to kind of make money to pay the, the daily bills that happen because this is your, right. your daily job and trying to establish at least for, cause it's a, it's a foreign concept for me. And I don't know how many other people that are on the discord or that are on, uh, you know, your Twitter are able to, or are dependent upon the trades as far as making the money or, or doing differing things along those lines uh, for a consistent income. And so trying to establish that in my mind is, is there a percentage amount? Is there a dollar amount? Is there a certain amount that you feel comfortable losing or that you, that you, um, outline, but each time it's, it's different depending on the overall allocation. My, one of the things I go by is you can always make more money. So, I mean, like it's all dependent and usually the chart's going to give me a exit point, uh, when I look at it. So I'll set a stop loss for it once I enter it. So, um, if you look at, this is TBLT, mm-hmm. uh, this is one of my holdings that I have. I think, uh, we own it as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, my entry point is in this green box as it was coming through and it broke up over here. Um, so my stop loss was below the low point down here. So, cause I, you know, that's your last, last zone of liquidity basically. So, um, and what I've seen in the traditional markets, uh, sometimes you get it with these low caps, like these small low small caps, caps is yeah. the, the small caps is the, the wicks down to kind of, um, you know, take out the stops. Um, so I'll, I'll, I won't set it right at a point. I'll usually give myself some, some cover room. So in this scenario, uh, with this one here, I think, uh, my entry point was right in this range. I, I've been in it for a little while, so it's hard to tell. How's it doing that? Hmm. Let's see here. So I was probably in this range here. So 13% loss on that. Mm -hmm. But looking at, and I don't have a take profit on this. This one is, I think it's going to be a longer term um, bigger, like as it, as it grows, it has a lot of room to grow cause it hasn't been out for very long. So, but I mean, that's, that's kind of the stop loss in that one. It just depends on what the chart looks like. I, I think the largest stop loss I've ever put on there was like 40%. So 
And that was on an altcoin that, you know, it, it, it could was, jump. It yeah. was real volatile, and I just yeah. didn't want to lose out on it. It could drop down, you know, lower. I just didn't want it to wick me out. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and that certainly can happen with some of these small caps, but a, a probably more, more so in the altcoin world uh, where you can have them wick down in that time frame to, to really uh, basically disappear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally disappear. Yep. Yep, it's it's quite amazing. Um, there's some of them that you, you see them on there, and they, the wicks just go all the way down to like a dollar, <laughs> something ridiculous. You're like, uh, but it's a small cap world. Yeah, altcoin world. Well, we're coming up on our on our hour here, man. It was uh, this was our get to know each other or get to know the trader, get to know the person that they are. We're just the normal everyday dudes that just trade or invest. And uh, I'm Nate Harper, and that was Jeremy Wynn. Alrighty, thanks, guys.